Almost every major conflict or agenda, whether it's political, religious, or an economic agenda, in the world today centers around globalism. Well, we are going to analyze globalism and discuss the people behind it on this edition of The End Time Show. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of the End Time Show. Most of you all know that something is wrong in our country. But can you put your finger on it? I mean, there are many things happening. This huge climate change agenda and inflation and uh, higher taxes and more regulations and gas prices are going up and uh, religions are just splitting apart and the, the rise in LGBTQ lifestyles. And I mean, just one thing right after another, right? It's almost like a wave after wave. But what is the, what's the central driver to all of this? Who's the, who, who's, who's pushing this one agenda after another? There's a, there's a mastermind behind that or a, a set of masterminds. What's the goal? Because honestly, everything else is just a symptom of this disease that's in our world. And it's called globalism. When you hear about a a human-induced global warming climate change hoax, that's a symptom of what somebody's trying to do. They've got an ulterior motive, one big, huge ulterior motive. It's called globalism. So they've got to push climate change to redistribute the wealth of the world and they got to control the food and they got to control your property and you they want to control your bank account and they want to control your health and your your education and whether you can travel or not all of those are symptoms of their efforts to establish a world governing body which is what globalism really is They want you to yield up your sovereignty. And that's why they want to control all these other things. They give all these crises that the earth is warming up to the point where it's going to explode. And there's too much carbon in the air. Whereas, I've just read articles that more carbon dioxide is better for the planet. And that the earth is flourishing. The the greening of the planet is up 14% because there's so much CO2 in the air. Because CO2 is plant food. But you understand, they have to have all these different crises to get you to yield up your sovereignty. And that's going to be globalism. So we're going to talk about it today. And you've got to ask yourself this. Why is the establishment still trying to crucify President Trump almost three years after he left office? He's not in office anymore. But why are they still trying to just basically bury the guy? Because he was anti-world government and anti-globalism. Now, you're going to say, well, Dave, you're trying to get Trump elected. I I, I did not agree with everything that Trump did. I want to state that. I don't agree with everything he does now. But one thing he did do was he was anti-world government and anti-globalism. And so we're going to get deep off in that today. I want you to understand why 
What, what's really behind the effort to come up with these frivolous, nonsense lawsuits uh, against him? What's, what's the goal behind all of it? I don't necessarily, I'm not studying every lawsuit that he has against him. I don't have time to do all that. But I want to know what's really going on with the guy behind, the guy's plural, behind the curtain. That's what I look at. Because once I know what the ulterior motive is and the goal behind it all, I can understand all the different uh, symptoms of this plague that's going on. So, really quick, I want to let you guys know that I'm going to be down in New Orleans this weekend. I'll be on there um, Saturday night. I'll be at the First Pentecostal uh, Church in New Orleans. That's 122 North Georgian Wash Street uh, in New Orleans. I'll be there Saturday evening, August 26th at 6 p.m., and I'll be teaching my new lesson, Understanding the End Time, and then we will be there back again Sunday morning in the same church. That would be August 27th at 1130 a.m., and I'll be doing Breaking Prophecy Fulfillments. And oh my goodness, there's so much happening in the news right now. So look forward to seeing everybody in New Orleans this weekend, uh, Saturday and Sunday. If you need more information on that, go to endtime.com. Go to events and then conferences. All the information's there. Phone numbers, maps, everything to get you out to the conference. Uh, there's no charge for the conference. Uh, just come out and uh, we'll see if we can't pack that church out and have a great conference so much going on, and I have to share with you this weekend, and uh, I'll save some of it uh, for Saturday and Sunday morning. So, um, what a great time we'll have down there. Now, when we get back to this issue of globalism, and why they're trying to just annihilate Donald Trump, and what they're really trying to do to America as well. Back in 2018, this is according to a, a Times Magazine article, that the, was, um, the title of the article was, We Reject Globalism. President Trump took America first to the United Nations. And it's, he said in, the, in his speech in the United Nations, for years, President Donald Trump made the claim that the United States had become a laughingstock around the world. People were laughing at us. But then he launched into a 35-minute attack at... on the very values at the heart of the United Nations. Solidarity, globalization, respect for these international institutions and international law. And he stated this, and I'm quoting, We reject globalism and embrace the doctrine of patriotism. So Trump said really in a clear clear rejection of the half-century-old international institutions that emerged from the devastation of World War II. And it was a declaration of the supremacy of sovereignty in the United States and the idea that all nations should embrace their own versions of his America first. He said, hey, it should be Israel first, uh, China first, Germany first. Protect your countries, protect your sovereignty. And that's what their foreign policy approach should be. Well, from there... Trump, his speech went around the globe, reprimanding ungrateful allies, lambasting these bad trade deals, criticizing other agreements that enabled the world to take advantage of America. And he actually said, the United States will always choose independence over cooperation, over global governance, control, and domination. And he said this, defending his administration's retreat from the United Nations organizations like the International Criminal Court, Human Rights Council, and the Global Compact on Migration, the Paris Climate Agreement, 
I mean, Trans-Pacific Partnership, one thing after another. And so I want you to understand what's really going on with Donald Trump today. I don't care if he was Republican, Democrat, Independent, it's irrelevant. They're letting all of us know what will happen if we come against the, the world government. He went against it and talked against globalization and the United Nations at his United Nations speech. And from then on, they've been trying to bury the guy. And so I want you to really understand globalism and the people who are behind it. And we're going to get deep off into that and the origin of it on the rest of the program when we get back from the break. So don't touch that dial. A voice spoke to me and said, I've got something I want to show you. I was so sure God had talked to me. And I was stunned by what I saw. A direct fulfillment of this over 2,500-year-old prophecy. The United States will stand with Israel. Why haven't I ever seen this before? One-third of humanity will die. What do these beasts symbolize? The lion, the bear, the leopard. The combined beast from Revelation 13 represents the end-time government of the Antichrist. Understanding the end time. Now streaming on End Time Plus and available to order at endtime.com slash UET. Go to endtime.com slash UET or call 800 Endtime. Are you ready for an extraordinary journey to the region that is the focus of more end time Bible prophecy than any other? Well, look no further. Join us on an unforgettable journey to Israel. Our adventure begins down in Jerusalem where we will teach on the Mount of Olives, sing at the Garden of Gethsemane, walk down through the Kidron Valley, then we'll make our way north, have a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee while visiting Joppa, Mount Carmel, baptize in the Jordan River, and so much more. Don't miss out on this incredible trip to Israel. Spaces are limited. Book your tour today. Visit endtime.com slash tour or call us at 1-800-END-TIME. Join us for an experience that you will never forget. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End Time Show's TV and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning end-time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com slash events to see when Dave will be in a location near you. So President Trump was anti-world government and anti-globalism. The people running the world now in many ways, but really wanting you to yield, they want nations to yield up all their sovereignty, to yield up their militaries, to yield up their guns, to yield up their economies, and to create a global state that answers to a world governing body. And so, 
you say, well, these agendas, what are you talking about, Dave? Well, I want you to consider the globalist agendas leading the world, leading to a world government. That's the goal. World government, globalism, that's the goal. But there's all these, um, like, symptoms of that. They're just, everybody gets focused on uh, human and disco warming, which leads to climate change. That's a hoax. It's just propaganda by the world government to get everybody scared so they'll yield up most of their sovereignty. So think of the hopes of human-induced global warming, which leads to climate change. That really is all about, in a true socialistic form, it's, it's meant to redistribute the wealth of the world. That's what it's all about. They want to control the economies of the world, i.e. the um, International Monetary Fund, the World Bank, central bank digital currencies, and everything that goes along with that. They want to control the economies of the world. They want to redistribute the wealth of the world so it can end up in the hands of all the wealthy bankers and the elitist. That's what it's all about. They want to control the production and consumption of every person. They want to control all the food. They want to control your location. They want to get you in big cities and get everybody. They can't control everybody that's out in the farmland and the rural areas. They really want to get everybody together collectively because they're easier to control. You say, Dave, that's all um, just a, 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 a myth, a fairy tale. Oh, no, no. No, no. You can read all about it. Read, read about the smart cities and the 15-minute cities and all these things. Those are not a figment of somebody's imagination. All that stuff's very real, everybody. And I'm not talking about any type of conspiracy theory and all that. This stuff is very documentable. They, they are trying to control our food. And it's all in the name of sustainability. We don't have enough food for future generations. The, popu- the, 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 po- the population is getting out of control. So we need to reduce the surplus population and we need to be able to control the food. But the fact of the matter is we have plenty of food to go around the entire world. Many times over, but they want you to think that food uh, is just, uh, we're running out of food. We're not running out of food. We have plenty of food. But if they can get you scared enough, then you'll start eating lab-grown meat and bugs and all this other crazy stuff. Okay? They're also trying to strive to achieve universal health care because if they can get control of your health care, then they can get control of your health. And Hey, we, we've, we have um, supplied you. We've allowed you to have health care. We've helped you to get health care. But you're going to bow down to our edicts. You're going to wear a mask when we tell you to. You're going to stop having church when we tell you to. You're going to uh, stay at home when we tell you to. Or this universal health care, it's going to go away. There's always a million strings attached to government, everybody. They're trying to control the climate, believe it or not. By, hey, we got to reduce CO2, so we're going to cool the planet. That's, that's a, an absolute hoax. It's not going to happen. It would reduce it by, I mean, almost nothing. They want to manage our cities and our infrastructure. They want to govern the oceans. They want to govern land usage, usage. Or, at the end of the day, they want to take away your land. No means to uh, personal property and that's really what the ultimate goal is, so they can control everything. What They want to manage and eventually erase national borders. 
and they want to unite all religions under one global ethic to support the world government or globalism. Now that's really, those are symptoms of the true underlying condition, which is world government and globalism. But they have to do all that to get the world to buy into it. Eventually what's going to happen is there's a World War III coming. And on the heels of World War III, that will be the entrance ramp for the Antichrist, and everybody, most nations will yield up their sovereignty to this world governing body, and eventually the Antichrist. The Bible tells, the Bible's very specific on this. World War III will be the entrance ramp for a fully functioning world governing body and for the Antichrist. So, really, probably the most important debate, if not probably in the top three, Globalism versus nationalism is one of these most critical, one of the most critical political debates of our time. Yes, abortion is important. Yes, um, the LGBTQ issue and their rights, transgenders in girls' sports, and I mean there are so many very, very, very important issues. But one of the one of the main ones, I mean, like the, in a body, think about the heart, how important that is. Well, one of the hearts of the matter is this globalism versus nationalism. If this was conquered and everybody just went back to protecting their own nation, I mean, that's the way God wanted it to begin with, right? He divided all the nations. He, he, He divided the languages and he wanted them to disperse. He did not want a world government. So believe it or not, this conflict is playing a major role. This globalism versus nationalism is playing a major role right now in the fulfillment of the prophecies of the Bible. So, <clears throat> let's say um, globalism. What is globalism? Globalism is the belief that the nation-state structure, think about the United States, the nation-state structure of our world is, that's obsolete. That's old. We can't do that anymore. And nations should eliminate their boundaries, i.e., don't protect the United States-Mexico border? How would that happen? Well, it happens under a globalist, a person, an administration that believes in globalism, that believes in a world-governing body. That's what's going on down here on our southern border, folks. They do not protect our border because they believe in yielding up our sovereignty to the world-governing body and not protecting our borders. That's what's happening with, a, with the Biden administration right now. And, and again, Joe Biden is just, he's, he's not even, I'm not 100% sure he knows where he's at. I, I don't really know the guy, but I can tell when he gives his speeches and things, he's basically being told what to do, where to go, how to dress, uh, what to say, and he, he's, just a, he's just a speaker. That's it. They're, the people that run the world, most of them, you do not know their name. And so they don't want the United States to protect our borders, and really nobody. And so that's what the big, one of the big tugs of war here in America is, is people that think we should protect our border because of this mass invasion that's happening on the, in the South, or people that say, oh no, open it up. There's not really a border crisis. Let's just let everybody come in, whosoever will, whether it's an Iranian terrorist or... Uh, unbelievable amounts of drugs from China. They're killing American citizens. Who cares? It just, you know, I mean, we, don't, we really don't have a border problem, right? You, that, that's what you got to say if you're going to yield up your sovereignty and open your borders to this world governing body, this globalization idea. 
And it ultimately is going to result in a one-world government. That's globalism. On the other hand, nationalism is the belief that the world should consist of nation-states organized around different languages, common cultures, and similar values. Nationalists are opposed to globalism, knowing that globalism will ultimately require the surrender of national sovereignty. Remember, folks, we signed a declaration of independence, not a declaration of interdependence on the rest of the world. We're being sold that, oh, interdependence is a good thing. But I don't want to yield up our Christian nation values that we were founded upon. For you know, and I understand, uh, you know, the 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 need to have everybody have the freedom of worship and this, that, and the other. But I don't, you know, we got to get around the belief system here that you can have freedom of worship and um, sacrifice things and do all kinds of crazy stuff. I mean, some things you can't allow. You say, oh, now, now what about freedom? What about freedom? I, I understand that. But, you, you know, there, there, have to, there has to be some type of limitation. You can't let people in the name of their religion come in here and kill people. Let's just face it. So you got to be careful, right? You say, well, it's not freedom if you put any kind of regulation on it. That's, that, that, that's not necessarily true. You can have freedom for people to, if they're, as long as they're not going to harm other people. You can't say, well, my religion, I worship death, and I'm going to come in there, and I can go to heaven if I kill other people. We can't allow that. So we were based, we were founded upon Judeo-Christian principles. And so God said, I don't want everybody being collected together. I want them moving out. I want them dispersing around the world. You say, well, where'd you get that? Well, let's talk about the origin of globalism. Globalism is not a new concept. I mean, it has its roots in the very first book of the Bible, uh, the book of Genesis. Remember the, um, the incident recorded uh, that happened shortly after Noah's flood. God told the survivors of the flood to multiply and replenish the earth. But instead, uh, back in Genesis 11, what, probably verse 1 through 4, it tells us what happened. It says, and the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar. And they dwelt there. And they said one to another, hey, let's go and let's make bricks and let's burn them thoroughly. And they had uh, brick for stone and slime and they, and they made mortar. And they said, um, go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach into heaven and let us make us a name lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. No. So what happened was the people feared that there would be another flood. Even though God had given the rainbow as a covenant that he would never again destroy the water, the world by water, Not believing God's word, the people decided to build their own plan of salvation. And they decided to build a tower to reach up into heaven so they could run up into that tower and be saved if there was another flood. And this was the origin of man-made religion, but also world government. Men taking matters into their own hands instead of relying upon God. 
in Genesis 11, 5 through 9. We learn what, of course, it tells us what God's reaction is to their plan. It says, and the Lord God came down to see the city and the tower, which we know now as the Tower of Babel. Which the Bible says, which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, behold, the people is one and they have all one language. And this they began to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down there and confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth. And they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of that, um, is the name called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth. And from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of the earth. So this incidence was the beginning of different nations and different languages of the world. And from that day, from that really until that time until today, world leaders have dreamed of bringing the nations together and adopting a common language through globalism. It's prophesied in the Bible that a world government is going to be formed in the times just ahead. And this happened, uh, it's happening right now under the effort called globalism or globalization. And you can see the importance of this, the, the last day global government. Well, you wonder why they're trying to bury Donald Trump, right? Because he was talking against that. He was against the establishment, against the deep state. He was against the world government in many ways. And he was trying to pull the United States out of that and to have the American first policy. And they said, no, off with your head. Can't have this anymore. So they were impeaching him and, and he was in litigation and they were, they were falsely accusing him of things. And I mean, one right after another, really... They're using him as an example to the American people to say, look, here's what we can do to the president of the United States. If we can do this to him, imagine what we can do to you. Because this world government's coming. Uh, um, one prophecy for telling a world government for the times just ahead is found in the Old Testament in Daniel 7, 23. You thought it was just Revelation 13, right? But there's more prophecies about it. Daniel 7, 23, it says, Thus he said, The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, which shall be diverse from all the kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. So most of the time when world governments has been attempted throughout the thousands of years, the leader has tried to force everyone in his government to adopt the same religious beliefs. The leader of this day, uh, this modern-day world government is going to do the exact same thing. His actions attempting to force religious conformity, that's described in Daniel 7, verses 21 through 22. I think I'm going to hold to on the back side of the break to read this because I want to make sure that you get this because the end-time world religion, the end-time world government, they both come into play here, and they're happening right now as we speak. But the origin of all of this started almost 6,000 years ago. They that understand what is taking place will instruct many. Except a man is born again, he can enter or see the kingdom of God. 
I don't care what label you've been given or what label you've given yourself. You are essential. You still matter. This is a journey, and when we get to the other side of that, that's where our prize is. That's where our reward is. End time is not going anywhere. Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time. Understand how you fit in and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to intime.com slash future or call 800 intime. That's 800-363-8463. So the efforts to get to force religious conformity in the end time, that's foretold back in Daniel chapter 7 all the way down in verses 21 and 22. The Bible says, I beheld and the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them until the ancient of days came and judgment was given to the saints of the most high and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. Now, Notice that the world, notice this world government referred to in the above uh, passage that I just read, that is going to rule until the ancient of days, G- until Jesus Christ comes. The leader of this final world government is referred to in Scripture as the beast or the Antichrist. So verse 21 clearly foretells the Antichrist will make war against the saints. He's got to have religious conformity in the end time. And this is going to be a war against Jews and true Christians who will not pledge allegiance to this world government beliefs and the requirements. What you say, why do you say true Christians? Because there will be some Christians that are being deceived. And the Bible says everyone whose name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life will worship this entity or pledge allegiance to it. So I know churches today that consider themselves Christian that are already advocating for and supporting world-governing edicts, uh, climate change, and um, the, the like, uh, what's the boycott, divest, and sanction, and all these kind of different uh, anti-Semitic, globalistic-type um, agendas. There are churches that consider themselves Christian today that support that kind of stuff. Well, those are the kind of churches that are going to be Merge right up into this. Um, churches that would go to the world, par- the uh, Parliament of World's Religions and to advocate for and support that kind of stuff when they, were, they went there last week supporting their signature document, which, which was the global ethic, to sink their narrow differences for the cause of a global order. I would not have my church involved in that stuff. You couldn't pay me enough. Because that's the kind of stuff that them people are going to go right after the Antichrist and the world governing system. Okay? I mean, this is where the boots meet the ground, folks. 
And this is where the rubber meets the road, so to say. And, you know, it's interesting that the exact same thing prophesied is prophesied in the New Testament. The prophecy found in Revelation 13, 1 through 2. The Bible says, John said, I stood upon the sand of the sea, saw a beast, a singular beast, rise up out of the sea having seven heads and ten horns. And his ten horns, uh, upon the ten horns, there were ten crowns. And upon the heads, the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw had the body of a leopard, Germany. The, mouth, uh, the feet is the feet of the bear, Russia. Mouth is the mouth of the lion, Great Britain. And the dragon gave him his power, seat, and great authority. So this last world government is described as a beast composed of, uh, again, Great Britain, Russia, Germany, and the, an, an alliance of the ten leaders from Europe. And this is a European-centered beast, and that's going to be the power of the Antichrist. We'll jump down to Revelation 13, 7. It tells us this world empire centered in Europe will dominate the world and will persecute the saints. Bible says it was given to him, this is in Revelation 13, it was given to him to make war with the saints and overcome them, and power was given to him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. So it's the same thing in Daniel 7, 23, right here in Revelation 13. A world governing body and the Antichrist will make war with the saints. He's going to try to force religious um, compliance, a, a, a one world religious belief system, a global ethic. And so it's important that we know, though, America's not going to be in this end-time world government. Even though the eagle's wings, the United States, mentioned in Daniel 7, when describing the nations that would be upon the earth in the end time, there's no mention of the eagle, the United States, in Revelation 13 as being part of that end-time world governing body. If the United States is not part of the world government of the end time, well, what happens to us, right? That's a big question. I just read an article today about one of the major prophecy guys that is teaching today. Most of you would recognize his name. He said, I can't remember the, the news source, but he said there's three reasons why the United States is most likely not mentioned in the Bible. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. We need to have a conversation because the United States is absolutely mentioned in the Bible. So what happens to the United States? Well, the answer is found in Revelation 12, verse 13 and 14. One chapter before the prophecy depicting the one world government of the Antichrist. The Bible says, And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman, which brought forth the man-child. And to the woman were given two wings of an eagle, a great eagle, that she would fly into her place into the wilderness, where she is nourished for a time, times, and half a time from the face of the serpent. So the woman described here in Revelation 12 symbolizes Israel. The 12 stars around her head symbolize the 12 tribes of Israel. And this passage clearly depicts that the American eagle protecting Israel from the attacks of Satan and his end-time world government, and notice that the United States continues to protect Israel for that uh, time, times, and half a time, which is uh, a time is one year, times is two years, and a half a time is half a year. So this tells us the United States will protect Israel for that final three and one half years uh, just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ, which is the Great Tribulation. So let's talk about 
the, um, where do I want to go now, the, the um, present struggle, let's say, between nationalism and globalism. And when Donald Trump was elected president, he was thrown right in the middle of this because he started talking against the establishment and against the deep state in his debates and in his stump speeches prior to his getting elected president. So me and my father-in-law at the time, Irvin Baxter, we were going, uh, you got to be kidding me. Nobody would talk, would come out and talk against the establishment and deep state and the world government and everything like Donald Trump has. But then he gets elected president. And we were shocked. There was no, me and my father-in-law had these great conversations like, well, you know, he's, he got in the office. He must be a politician. And even though he wasn't, and we thought, will he do what he said he's going to? Well, he started doing it. And so we watched as he struggled with a nationalistic mindset against this overwhelming flood of globalism that's happening in our world. So whose argument's going to prevail? Nationalism or globalism? Well, according to the Bible's prophecies for the near future, globalism and the one world government's going to prevail for a short time. However, and this is a big however, listen at this. Not all nations will come under the control of this world government. America, Israel, and Jordan, and perhaps a few others. I can prove the first three, but perhaps a few others are going to maintain their sovereignty, refusing to submit to the world government of the Antichrist. The prophesied world government is going to usher in the worst tyranny the world has ever known. And it's in its arrogance they're going to invite Israel, they're going to invade Israel to force division of Jerusalem. And this is going to result in the Battle of Armageddon, which will trigger the second coming of Jesus Christ. So Jesus is going to return to take over this world, right? The world government of the Antichrist is going to be destroyed at the second coming of Jesus to the earth and the events recorded in Daniel 7 9. I beheld till the thrones were cast down, the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow. And his hair as the head like pure wool, his throne like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. Revelation eleven fifteen 15 uh, gives another uh, account of this same event that happens at the, at the last trump. The seventh angel shouted, and there were vo- great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. He shall rule the nations with a rod of iron. The, the, and the most complete account of the takeover of the world by Jesus is found in Revelation 11, 9 through 15. The Bible says, And I saw heaven opened up, a great white horse, uh, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in his righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as the flame of fire, his head on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself, and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies, which are the saints, which were in heaven, followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with, which, with which he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of God. That's the battle of Armageddon. And once Jesus replaces the governments of this world... With his long-awaited kingdom, the 1,000-year kingdom of God will begin. And Jesus will teach the nations the path to peace and righteousness. 
And Isaiah chapter 2 verse 4 uh, tells us about God's kingdom upon the earth. The Bible says, He shall judge among the nations. He shall rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up another sword against a nation, and neither shall they learn war anymore. So, globalism. And, you know, the thing is, I, I should talk about this right now because all of this globalism, world government, all these scenarios are laid out in our new book, uh, Understanding the End Time and the DVD series. And everybody that is subscribed to End Time Plus, you have access to all of this, the workbooks that are coming out, everything that goes along with this. But you can go to endtime.com, get your copy of the book, get your copy of the DVDs, teach this to your friends, family, your sphere of influence. All of this is laid out in great detail in the book. The book is, what is it, um, 270 some, 265, 270 pages, cram full of new information, and you'll really enjoy it. We've gotten great feedback from that. And uh, I got a friend of mine, a really close friend, he said, man, I haven't, he said, I just read 160 pages of your book. And he said, I haven't read a whole book since I was in high school, and he's my age. And he said, I'm plowing through this book, and man, I'm going to finish it. It's a great read. So um, you guys need to get a copy of the book so you can look through this stuff, study it, underline, make some notes, and go teach your friends, family, your sphere of influence. Okay, so let's talk about globalism. This, You know, it's really the 800-pound gorilla in the living room, right? Because you can talk about climate change and all that stuff all you want. But until you understand globalism, you're not going to, you're not going to, you're going to be stuck. I mean, probably the number one issue by far in America's next presidential election really is going to be who's going to be pro-globalism and who's going to be pro-nationalism. That's what we ought to be asking. And you say, no, no, I, I want to know about taxes or I want to know about inflation. This, all that stuff is a symptom to the issue of globalism. Donald Trump was nationalistic. He was America first. Therefore, he was going to try to remove regulations off the businesses, lower taxes, and get the economy screaming. But anybody that is pro-globalism is going to have more regulation. Taxes are going to go up. Gas prices are going to go up. Inflation is going to go up. And it's going to be, the economy is going to go south, right? Pro-globalism pro-nationalism. There's a very, very big difference. And so all hope is not lost for America. Number one, we have God on our side. If you're praying, the Bible says, for we know all things work together for good to them that are called uh, by God, who love God and are called according to his purpose. But on the other hand, there's globalism and I sure don't want to follow that. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online with End Time Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the End Time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. 
You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you, and we love you. You know, everyone, I don't want to get really too involved in politics, but if you thought it was bad under the first four years of a Biden administration, can you imagine a second four years? I mean, if I wasn't so invested here in Dallas, I might be tempted to move to Israel. And it's crazy over there right now, but I'm just saying, another four years, oh my goodness, I almost... Ugh, it makes me not want to eat dinner. Because the the number one, the, the one issue that really will determine the future course of the United States, other than I understand God's hand upon this place, but if it comes right down to you're talking politics and the election and everything, really the one issue that would determine the future course of the United States would be globalism versus nationalism. Think about that. I'd like to set every candidate down and pinpoint them on questions about globalism versus nationalism. Are you a globalist? What are you going to do about cutting us off from the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank, the central banking system, the United Nations? We don't want to be interdependent on anything other than our Constitution. <coughs> Excuse me. Because we, we just signed a Declaration of Independence. Have we thrown that in the trash? Did we burn that? What happened to all this stuff? That, the, that these founding documents of this nation, we're, we're, we're making paper airplanes out of this stuff. I mean, so let's stick to the deal here. Um, back to globalism. Globalism, it's simply the belief that the nation state is obsolete and that the world must move into a system of global governance. Um, globalists believe national borders should be dissolved and a one-world government should be instituted. Remember back, we've said it many times, Strobe Talbot, he stated it clearly in his article, The Birth of a Global, global the Birth of a Global Nation in Time Magazine back in July of 92. He said, um, and I'm quoting, within the next hundred years, nationhood as we know it will be obsolete. All states will recognize a single global authority. And then two years after that, Talbot was tapped by President Clinton, who was a liberal internationalist. He believed in a world government to serve as um, Deputy Secretary of State, where he pushed his global agenda until the end of the Clinton presidency in 2001. So for decades, these elitists have promoted the emerging world government. I want you to understand some of the actions and the quotes from many of these prominent world leaders promoting globalism. Now, many of these people, it was five, six, seven decades ago. But that's why we're not living at the beginning of all of this, folks. This is the, we're at the culmination of it. So let's go through several of these. I I want you to hear this. Woodrow Wilson. Now, to some of you people, that are listening, Woodrow Wilson, that you wouldn't know him from Adam. But he was President Woodrow Wilson. You know, so what happened? Um, after World War I, President Woodrow Wilson 
he conceived a system of global governance called the League of Nations. However, the members of the United States Congress understood that it would mean the surrender of U.S. sovereignty, and therefore, they refused to ratify the League of Nations, and they consigned the League of Nations to the dustbin of history. They couldn't get the thing across the finish line because the United States wasn't going to be involved. But it was their effort to create a world-governing body. Well, many of you know, if you've heard us teach about world government ever, that FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, in all the way back in 1935, this is 10 years before the establishment of the, of the United Nations, because Roosevelt was a globalist. He ordered the term Novus Ordo Seclorum to be placed on the back of the U.S. dollar bill at the bottom of the pyramid with the all-seeing eye. Um, Novus in Latin is new. Ordo is, in Latin is order. And um, seclorum is Latin for secular or world. So, Way back in 1935, Roosevelt was thinking about a new world order. And at the conclusion of World War II, Roosevelt became the driving force behind the formation of the United Nations. Yes, the President of the United States. And so the UN was from the outset designed to ultimately be a structure of world government. Then there was also a guy named James Warburg. He was the son of Paul Warburg, who was influential in establishing the Federal Reserve, the Central Bank of the United States. And his son, James Warburg, says this. Now, these are some of the, these are obviously the most, some of, if not the most influential people in the United States of America. And this is their thinking. And this is the kind of thinking that Donald Trump fought when he come in office as the, what was he, the 45th president of the United States, and he started fighting against this. Now you understand why, almost three years later, they're trying to crucify him and bury him. Okay? This is what he fought. When he put his feet on the ground every morning when he got out of bed, this is the fight that hit him right in the face. So, James Warburg, son of Paul Warburg, he said, Warburg, he said this, and I'm quoting, We shall have a world government, whether or not you like it, whether by conquest or consent. Now, that was a statement to the Council on Foreign Relations, the CFR, and that was by James Warburg to the Senate Foreign Relations Committee on February 17, 1950. Now, if somebody made a statement like that, would you not say, uh, get out of our country, right? But no, they didn't do that because he was all on, every, people were on board with this stuff. Supreme Court Justice Felix Frankfurter, this would be back in 1952, he said the rules in Washington are invisible and exercise powers from behind the scenes. Most people, you don't even know their names. Joe Biden, he's just the front guy. He's the guy that uh, everybody, you know, talks about and he give the speech and this, that. but the guys running the show are not Joe Biden, folks. I hope you understand what's going on here. Joe Biden does not have the power. You said, no, he's the president of the United States. Listen, there are people much more powerful than the United States president. Now, I know it's not supposed to be that way, but you've got to understand globalism and uh, the the Council on Foreign Relations, the Trilateral Commission, the Brookings Institute, and all these different institutions that really are running America. Joe Biden has no say whatsoever 
over what the Federal Reserve does. You understand that? The central bank in America. Joe Biden has no say. The Federal Reserve has never been audited. Never. Because it's controlled by a cabal of private bankers. What about Senator William Fulbright? He said the case for government by elites is irrefutable. Senator William Fulbright, he was the former chairman of the U.S. Senate Foreign Relations Committee. He stated this in 1963. He said the symposium was entitled The Elite and the Electorate. Is government by the people possible? World government, folks. Barry Goldwater, in his book With No Apologies, he was a Republican uh, presidential nominee, and he said this, and I'm quoting, The Trilateral Commission is intended to be a vehicle for multinational consolidation of the commercial and banking interest by seizing control of the political government of the United States. The Trilateral Commission represents a skillful, coordinated effort to seize control and consolidate the four centers of power, political, monetary, intellectual, and ecclesiastical. And what the Trilateral Commission intends is to create a worldwide economic power superior to the political governments of the nation-states involved. And as managers and creators of the system, they will rule the future. So, I think we probably should note that the Trilateral Commission was founded by a gentleman some of you may know named David Rockefeller. Okay, All these guys were globalists. Uh, there was a guy named Richard Gardner. He said, the new world order will have to be built from the bottom up rather than from the top down. But in the end, runaround, national sovereignty, eroding it, by, eroding it piece by piece, will accomplish much more than the old-fashioned frontal assault. Well, of course, he was a Council on Foreign Relations member, and he wrote this in his April 1974 issue of the CFR's journal, Foreign Affairs. And then comes the Cold War. There was kind of a pause. I mean, after World War II, the Cold War uh, between the United States and the Soviet Union immediately began, and consequently not much progress was made towards the global government for the next, I don't know, 30 or 40 years. But then the fall of the Berlin Wall happens, and we immediately start the march towards, uh, we resume the march, really, uh, towards a world government. With the fall of the Berlin Wall in 89, that was the end of the Cold War. Mikhail Gorbachev, George H.W. Bush, uh, Pope John Paul II, they met together and, t- what, 20 days later, they came out of their meetings announcing the birth of the new world order. George H.W. Bush, President of the United States, George H.W. Bush, he, shortly after the meetings with Gorbachev and Pope, and the Pope, Bush Sr. said, we have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for the future generations a new world order. When we are successful, he said, and we will be, I remember the statement, he said, we have a real chance at this new world order, an order in which a credible United Nations can use its peacekeeping role to fulfill the promise and vision of the UN's founders. Wow, he was a globalist too, believe it or not. Then in Bill Clinton's speech in, uh, at the UN in September of 97, uh, he said that the forces of global integrations are a great tide, inexorably wearing away the established order of things. The United Nations must play a leading role in this effort, filling in the fault lines of the new global era. 
Before the century ends, we should establish a permanent international court to prosecute the most serious violations of humanitarian law. Now, this world court is to place individuals on trial without the protection of the U.S. Constitution or the Bill of Rights that was adopted by the world community in 98. And it was then ratified and and came into force in 2002. So you can see how far we are off into this. Folks, I could go to uh, the Rockefellers. I could go to several of them by Rockefeller. I could go to Tony Blair, Henry Kissinger, uh, former congressmen. I mean, many of them. I won't have time to do it on the program today. But the fact is, is David Rockefeller was heavily involved in all of this. And I'll give you David Rockefeller's real quick. He said, some even believe that we rock, the Rockefeller family are part of a secret cabal working against the best interests of the United States, characterizing my family and me as internationalists and of conspiring with others around the world to build a more integrated global political and economic structure. One world, if you will. If that's the case, he says this. He says, I stand guilty and am proud of it. That was from the memoirs by David Rockefeller, page 405, published in 2002. These people are not ashamed of what they're trying to do, folks. They're trying to create a world-governing body. The Bible says there will be a world-governing body in place at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. What I saw when Donald Trump was in office, I didn't agree with everything that he did, but he was trying to pull us out of this world-governing body and make it America first and to try to get America to reach its full potential. And he's been fighting that fight ever since. And that's really what's going on here. So... What's most important in this upcoming election? There are many things that are very, very important. But one thing we certainly should be watching, if I had a chance to talk to one of the candidates, I would ask them about their efforts to pull the United States out of world government and to make it be America first again. Make America great again. It was really a great slogan, and we all should be trying to do that, really on our knees. 